Welcome, welcome, welcome to the How to Adult with Travis Walker podcast. Today we're talking about a subject that I really care about. It is called financial independence. If you've never heard about financial independence, you're going to learn a lot today, but there is so much more information out there. So after you listen to this podcast, you've got to go out and consume more content if you're serious about it. I brought on the leader of Average Joe Finance. His name is Mike. He has so much information to give in the world of financial independence, real estate investment, and we just learned so much of how to approach money and how to approach financial independence. So you're going to want to listen to all of this. It's such good content. I'm really excited to put it out. All right. So if you are interested in being a sponsor for the podcast, you need to reach out to me because I would love to partner with businesses that believe in me and believe in my podcast. It's going to be an incredible journey as we continue to grow this podcast. It's also going to be an amazing journey to watch all of us learn how to adult. And so we need to get into the episode and learn how to adult together. All right, Mike, the man behind Average Joe Finance. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Travis. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I'd like to start all my shows off just by asking a few questions so that we can you know, get to know you, get some credibility and everything. So I'm just going to ask a couple of today, but I'm interested in what your location is and what you do for work. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so I currently live in Eva Beach, Hawaii. Um, I'm in the Navy for going on 20 years now. I'm actually retiring later this year. Uh, I'm also a real estate agent out here in Hawaii, a financial coach. I host a uh, successful uh, podcast on personal finances, and uh, I also have a couple other businesses that I that I run as well, uh, other side businesses. And um, that's uh, that's pretty much me, you know, my location and what I do. Awesome. Wow, that's incredible. Congratulations on retirement. That's insane. Uh, can I ask how old you are retiring? Uh, I will be 38 next week. Oh my gosh. This guy is just the goals. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, it, it's incredible that you share all that and, and hopefully everybody's already impressed. I know I am. Uh, and, and it should be pretty clear that this episode is all about financial independence and, and just personal finance. I, most of the content that I consume is about personal finance, about financial independence. So this episode was kind of uh, coming regardless, but I'm so excited to have you. And I think some people may not know what that term means. So I'd like to, you know, go zoom way in and just say, what is financial independence and why should we care what it is? Oh, hey, uh, great question. I appreciate that, Travis. So uh, financial independence is going to mean to you whatever it means to you, right? So I'll tell you what it means to me. Financial independence the key word in there is independence. It means freedom, right? By being financially independent, by knowing what to do with your finances and getting yourself to a point where you're comfortable with your finances, you can live a life that is more free, right? You can be a little more carefree. You can enjoy a little bit more of, you know, everything that you have in life. If you have a family um, or even if you're single, like, you know, living in Hawaii, I have my family here, but even if I was single, I'd be enjoying Hawaii too. Cause you know, the beaches <laughs> here, the, all the great activities that we have to enjoy here. And, uh, you know, I'm at the point now where retiring later this year, I, I get to make that choice. Do I, you know, want to continue doing something and, and working, which, which I probably will. Right. Because just because I'm reaching financial independence this year, doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to fully retire, right? So that whole thing about the FIRE movement, I don't know if, if your listeners are familiar with that, but FIRE stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. I always kind of take the RE part off and because I don't really like that R word. So yeah, I tell people I'm retiring later this year, but yeah, I'm retiring from the Navy and I'll be financially independent. But at the same time, I don't, I'm not really going to consider myself retired, right? Because I'll probably keep going until the wheels fall off because I have my own mission. And that mission is to, you know, educate other people on financial literacy so they can reach that same point of financial independence. And being financially independent gives me the freedom to do that. So I think that's the big key word here, uh, Travis, and that's, that's freedom. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of the key voices that I hear when I am, am consuming content around financial independence, personal finance, uh, a lot of them don't like the retire early part, portion of it. So that's kind of funny that you brought it up too, uh, because it, I, I think it is more about independence. It's more about freedom. Uh, it's more about uh, you know creating some some wiggle room, if you will, uh, to, to make some key decisions. And, and so I, I think that you're spot on there. I'd like to kind of rewind a little bit and, and kind of get to your story of what was your journey in financial independence? I know you're getting to the tail end of it, being retiring early uh, later this year. Uh, but but where did we start? Where does this uh, story begin? Sure. Uh, so it, it, it dates it dates way back to my childhood, right? So uh, I'm originally from Long Island, New York, right? And, uh, you know, so moving from one island to another out here in Hawaii, right? Although Long Island's <laughs> a whole different entity, trust me. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I grew up on, uh, on Long Island and you know, I, I always had a, I had an uncle, right, that that invested in real estate. Uh, he also worked for the state of New York. And he said, yeah, he's like, when I retire from this state, I'm just going to, you know, drive around on the, between the first and the fifth and collect rent checks. And that's going to be, you know, my retirement. So I'm like, that's okay. that's interesting. I said, OK, so, um, you know, why why is that? And, you know, we we kind of would talk about this all the time. And he would explain to me how real estate you know, he's he's able to buy these properties, have somebody else pay the mortgages while collecting like this cash flow that he was getting. And at the same time, they're getting paid down and getting paid down the entire time he's working for this. Right. And that's what he's living off of with his family. And then when he retired, he's like, hey, I've got all these properties now that are paid off that are that are paying me. And then if I ever need a large chunk of money, I just go sell one of them. I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. So that they yeah. kind of put the bug in, in the back of my head a long time ago. So fast forward to, you know, I was I was 17 years old when I joined the Navy, um, 18 when I actually shipped to boot camp. But, you know, I always had that bug in the back of my head. So. When my wife and I got married, shortly after we moved in together, uh, I started my recruiting tour in Charlottesville, Virginia. I was 21 years old, and I said, I want to buy a house. I was like, you know, we, we need to buy a house if we're going to start a family, and then, you know, eventually I want to buy more property, but let's start with our house, right? So we buy our primary residence. Uh, I had just turned 22 when we finally closed on this place. It was like my birthday present because like a week after I turned 22, <laughs> we're moving into our brand new home, which was amazing. And then we said, okay, yeah. cool. We're going to start a family now that we have our home. You know, we're, we're settled in. We've been married a couple of years. Let's, let's start our family. So, you know, we were trying to do it quote unquote the right way. Right. So we, we go through the whole process and, and uh, you know, we, we have our first child and then I get orders to go back to Norfolk, Virginia. Now where we were at was about three hours away in Waynesboro, Virginia. That's where I did my recruiting tour. Yeah. And so now we had a decision to make. Okay, do I keep my family here by themselves? You know, and we didn't really know too many people in the area yet. Or, you know, do do they go back to New York with family while I go back to the ship and get ready to deploy? So right. we chose the latter. Uh, moved my family back to New York, and I tried to sell the house. It was on the market for nine months. It wasn't selling, so we decided to rent it out. Now. This was at a time where, okay, let me just add some clarification here. I bought the house in 2007. Okay, we okay. all know what happened a couple of years later, right? So right. with the housing crash and everything, my house went from being valued at 260-ish thousand down to 157,000. And it wow. stayed at 157,000 for years. And I went up short selling it in 2012. So long story short with that is it, it kind of left a poor taste in my mouth with real estate. And we, we kind of backed off of the whole idea of investing in real estate. So we were like, okay, we, we got loaded with all this debt now because uh, at the same time we were paying a mortgage and paying the rent for the place. Uh, you know, after, after my deployment, my, my wife and I, we moved into a place in Virginia Beach. So we're paying for this mortgage and we're paying rent at this uh, apartment in Virginia Beach. And okay. it just racked up all the credit card debt, right? So we, we had, I mean, an astronomical number of credit card debt. Uh, personal loans and everything. So finally, we short sold the home. And, uh, you know, as time's going on, I got commissioned in the Navy. So a little higher pay, which was nice. And uh, we, we came up with a plan to start paying down our debt, right? And I knew I was deploying to Iraq here soon. So we said, okay, let's let's come up with this plan. Um, and, you know, we really want to try, to try to go to Hawaii after this. So let's try to get all of our debt paid down and save up some money so we can maybe buy a home again in Hawaii. 
right? Yeah. So we do that. We come up with this plan. Uh, we, we, you know, follow Dave Ramsey's baby steps as a lot of people that are just starting off do. And we followed steps one through three and we paid off $28,000 in credit card debt, uh, plus a couple personal loans. And we saved up $40,000 in a two year period. This is off of one income, right? Uh, Holy moly. My, my wife uh, stayed home with the kids, right? And she homeschools and stuff. So, um, yeah. So we did that off of one income. We had to be very, very, very disciplined. It was not an easy thing to do, um, but we did it right. And we, we met our goal and we moved out to Hawaii and we said, Hey, okay, great. We're going to, we're going to buy a home in Hawaii because, you know, we want to have our own little slice of paradise. So, you know, we go to buy the home out here in Hawaii and the VA comes back and says, Hey, you're not eligible for your VA loan because you short sold your last home. And if you want to get your VA loan back, you need to pay uh, $67,000 that we guaranteed towards your old loan. And I said, Oh, that's uh that's not good. So uh, mm -hmm. we thought, no. we thought it was over. Like that was it. Cause I didn't have a 20% down payment to put down on a house out here in Hawaii when the average cost at the time was like $750,000. So I said, okay, that's, sure. that's not going to happen. Um, I said, you know what, let me try anyway. So I, I submitted my VA certificate of eligibility just to see what would happen. And they came back and said, yeah, we see this flag on your, your record. But at the same time, uh, the, the, your previous lender never filed the paperwork on time. They filed it a day late. So you actually have your VA eligibility. So it was like a blessing in disguise. Don't even know, like somebody was looking out for, for us. Right. Oh yeah. So we got our VA loan and we were able to buy our home out here in Hawaii. So uh, um, just work with me here. I'm trying to speed through the, the whole backstory, right? So <laughs> you're doing great I started to get that itch again, right? The, uh, in the, in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, man, uh, I, I really want to invest in real estate. I really feel like there's something there, you know, at, at the time, like we, we had paid off our debt and we're like, what are we doing with our money? Like we were buying like some, you know, some index funds and some real estate investment trusts and different things like that, like very safe bets. And I said, okay, we, yeah. we, I, I really think it's time that we, you know, start buying more properties and, and become landlords and, and, and really get this figured out. So, uh, you know, I, I started going to some real estate meetups and we, we got linked up with some friends of mine that we were previously stationed with together. And they had a portfolio at the time of almost 30 units, right? So we're, we're yeah. sitting here chatting and they're showing us their portfolio and, and we're having lunch with them. And the whole time I'm trying to get my wife on board because she's just remembering what happened when we had to short sell our <laughs> home. And it's just, it's, it's just that stink that you couldn't wash off, you know? So we, we have lunch with them. They show us their portfolio. I show them some of the deals that I found and say, Hey, let, can, like, am I running these numbers? Right. Does this look good? And they said, Hey, yeah, like this is actually a really good deal. This one's okay, but this one's really good. And, you know, I'm talking to my wife and I say, Hey, look, you know, this, this will work out this way. We'll make this much money per month. And that's with us being conservative with the numbers. What do you think? Right. And she's like, you know what? Let's, let's do it. So we buy this duplex in Chesapeake, Virginia and COVID hit, right? So the pandemic hit and it was the end of the world. We closed February 5th, 2020, right? Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Had no idea what was coming the next month. Right. So right. Uh, one of my tenants lose their job. Can't, can't pay the rent anymore. My downstairs tenant, uh, was section eight. So I was getting that pay, uh, payment guaranteed and it was actually enough to cover the mortgage uh, and other miscellaneous expenses to the point where we were, just, we were basically cash flowing zero. I think I was paying 50 bucks a month, I think just to keep the property. So not terrible. Yes, but it, it is, but it isn't. So um, yeah, as, as time went by and, and of course, you know, I couldn't evict uh, the tenant and, and I didn't want to either because it was just a really bad time for everybody. And I, I just didn't want right. to do that to somebody, especially being a brand new landlord. Like I'm not going to be the guy that puts this guy and his family out on the streets because, you know, a pandemic happened and the guy lost his job. Right. So I said, Let me, what can I do to help him? And because I started searching at different ways to kind of help this guy out, I found a program that actually would pay his rent for him. So I got him linked up with them. They, they got everything filled out. They actually back paid all the rent that he owed plus all the late fees. And at that time, by doing that, it made it so that my, my property cash flowed about $900 a month, uh, you know, with, with all that back payment. So it, it worked yeah. out perfectly. Uh, then I wound up listing, listing the property, selling it and, you know, making a profit on the sale as well. But also the the entire year that I had it was profitable. I sold it for a profit, and then I took that money and I invested it into uh, more of a passive investment in apartment buildings. Right, so I found a team that goes out and buys apartments, and 
basically I provided some of the capital for that. And now I own a piece of that and I get paid monthly. I said, Oh, I really like this. So I went and got two more. So now I have a, you know, 190 doors that I passively collect money on that I don't do a thing for. I just, I get my monthly and quarterly distributions and that's it. So that's kind of- Is that a syndication? Yep. Yep. That's a real estate syndication. So um, by doing that, uh, you know, I was able to get my money into something else that was more passive, uh, still involved in real estate. And I get to like not worry so much about that. I don't have to get the two o'clock in the morning phone call that the toilet seat (laughs) exploded or whatever. So there's, you know, there's kind of like that, that peace of mind that I have as well. But the important part was, is I found good partners, like good people that are doing really good work that I could trust because I was giving them large sums of money, you know, so I had to make sure that these were people I could trust. And uh, so far it's been working out really well. And uh, I want to continue buying more of that uh, as I, you know, retire from the Navy. Um, But because I was proactive and did this between my retirement from the Navy and my my um, assets that I'm investing in right now and the passive cash flow that I have and from my business, I'll have enough money to cover all my expenses. So now working as a realtor post Navy, right? I don't have to be the guy that's chasing a commission, right? And hounding people. It's like, hey, you know, I'll help you out. I could, I could be the best possible realtor I can to you because I can dedicate this time to you. I don't have to sit here and try to like, you know, really push on you too hard. Like, hey, I'm, I'm going to work with you, not, you know, other ways, like, right. you know, so, some other people could be pushy, right? I, I don't have to be that way. So, right. But yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. kind of like, you know, the, the long story. <laughs> but, no, that's, uh, that, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's my story on real estate. That's, that's incredible. Incredible. And and there's so much to learn from this story. I, I'm just sitting here listening and I'm like, I, I, I've got questions about that, 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 uh, that's amazing. And so there's so many good examples of, of what to do. And, so kind of just going back to the idea of financial independence, I'm thinking, why should people strive for this? You know, I think that your story just and your story in itself is a great answer to, to why people should strive after financial independence. But and, and, and I know the answer will be different for everybody. But at the co- very core, why should people care and strive after this thing that not enough people are talking about? Well, you know, Travis, that's a great point because not not enough people really are talking about financial independence. Sure, you'll you'll hear podcasts out there, and and there's some people that you know there's YouTube videos and everything. But if you're not going out there and searching for the stuff, you're not going to see it, right? So that's right. one of the reasons why I try to go out and I try to push this message. I try to go to different meetups. I try to make sure that I'm I'm you know putting myself out there on social media and everywhere else to kind of push this message of financial literacy because i think that's the biggest piece of it to to get to that point of financial independence right so i i think you know uh and that's one of the things i do as a, a financial coach as well is i try to help you know educate people to the point where they can you know make those decisions on their own to go out and purchase cash flowing assets and different things like that learn how to pay off their debt properly right? Because there's some debt that's good. I have a ton of debt right now, and it's it's all debt that I leverage into other real estate assets, right? And right. it's stuff that's advantageous when it comes to taxes. So it's these are the different things that people need to learn, right? When it comes to building up their financial literacy and then getting themselves to a point where they can be financially independent. And again, like I said before, the, the important part about this is, you know, it's going to give you that freedom, that time freedom, Right. So you don't have to sit here and constantly focus on, you know, your W-2 or, uh, you know, if 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 I'm late to work today, am I going to get fired or (laughs) all those different stressors that people normally have? You can alleviate yourself of that. And it doesn't even have to be anything crazy. You can start by just putting a little bit of money uh, into a, uh, you know, um, real estate investment trust or index funds or different things like that just to get started, get the feel for it. Right. And then when you get a little bit more comfortable, maybe start taking some of that money, get a little more serious and go buy some real estate, you know, and, and there, again, there's so many different things. You could listen to all these different podcasts. You can listen to uh, or go watch all these other different YouTube videos and figure out what strategy you want to focus on, but pick something, pick something and go with it. Start a side hustle, right? You know, you just because you work a W-2 job doesn't mean you could, st- you don't have, you can't start something on the side, you know, open an right. Etsy store, create digital printouts or different things like that. I mean, there's so many different things you can do to create like a, a, another small income and then take that small income and 100% invest it. 
don't do anything else with it. Don't be like, oh, cool. I made an extra, you know, 500 bucks this <laughs> month. I'm going to go out and buy the new Jordans that just came out. No, take that $500 and go invest it into something that will pay you. Right. Oh, the, yeah. the whole point of this is, is make your money work for you. Employ your dollars. And there's a lot of great books that you can read that will help you with that, like The Richest Man in Babylon uh, and Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I mean, those are some fantastic foundational books to start with. Uh, just just oh, you know, yeah. just to put that out there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think you're exactly right in, in mentioning it a few times in a few different ways of consuming content. Uh, consuming content about this is a really good first step toward financial independence because you're going to learn things that you do, really don't know much about. I mean, people don't know about financial independence in itself. And so that if you don't know about it, you're not going to know how to achieve it. And so consuming yeah. content is a huge thing. Uh, and I'm interested, you've mentioned a few different ways to do this, but I'm interested in your answer in what do you think the key pillars are to achieve financial independence? I know there's a few different voices out in the, in the community uh, in, in saying what the pillars are, but I'm interested in what your pillars are. Sure. And, you know, Travis, that's that's a great question. And I would say that, you know, the, the first thing, the first pillar is going to be education. You have to educate yes. yourself. And I like what you're talking about with, you know, consuming content, because I tell other people, you know, I'm a content sponge. I go out there <laughs> and I, I just soak up whatever I can. And then I'll squeeze and I'll get rid of what I don't need to hold on to. Right. But the yes. thing is, you go out there and absorb as much as you can. Take what you need, discard the rest and just keep moving. So education is going to be the first piece. The second piece I would say is find a mentor or a coach or somebody that's just going to help guide you, right? And not even so much guide you, but help motivate you, right? Because a lot of times, you know, getting that pat on the back means more than, you know, than any type of monetary reward that somebody will get, right? If somebody tells you, hey, you're doing a great job with this, you know, like, like, let's keep exploring, let's keep moving forward. That can mean more to somebody than anything else, right? So education, get a mentor. Then the next piece is discipline, okay? Yes. Because you cannot be financially independent without discipline. And I, and I say discipline, but I, I kind of mean it loosely, right? There's certain things that you just need to, you know, discard in your life. There's certain things you or behaviors you need to get rid of. But I'll tell you, you know, um, a funny story about uh, somebody that I interviewed on my podcast, and we were discussing the difference be between somebody who's a spender and a saver, right? And it's funny because I found that, you know, myself, I'm a spender. And even though, like, I, you know, I run Average Joe Finances, and I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm good about saving and investing and all this stuff. No, I'm a spender, you know, and my wife is actually a saver. So she was actually the one that was always like kind of trying to like rope me in. Um, so for <laughs> me, it was a mindset shift. And I had to shift how I looked at how I was spending my money. So I said, you know, I'm still going to spend my money, but I'm going to spend it on other things that are going to make me more money. I'm going to spend it on cash flowing assets. I'm going. So I still got that gratification of buying something. But at the same time, I was buying something that was beneficial uh, to us financially, right? So instead of going right. out and buying that materialistic thing that I need, and I, and, and I still every now and then do, I'll go out and I'll splurge on something and I'll have to smack my hand and say, hey, calm down. Don't, <laughs> don't overdo it, right? And, right. and that's okay because you don't want to turn yourself into a drone. You don't want to just become like this mindless, okay, I've got my budget here and I can do this and I can do that, and uh, but I can't do this. So you, you don't want to do that. So Give yourself a little grace. Give yourself a little leeway, right? And what I always tell people, when you build your budget and spending plan, have a little bit of money put to the side to do fun things. Like I, I call it fun money, right? And this right. is money that we put to the side to go out to eat, to maybe go out and buy something nice, just different things like that. And there was a certain amount of money that we had per month to do it. And if we didn't spend it all, we would carry it over to the next month and we'd let it build up and maybe we'd do something big when, when it builds up high enough, right? Um, a lot of other people say, oh, if you don't spend it, then just dump it into your your debt. But, you know, I was like, you know, I, I can do that. But at the same time, it also gives us a goal to strive for. Like we want to save up to go on vacation. We're going to save up to go on vacation with this with this fun right. money. Right. And that's another part of the discipline piece. Right. So education, get a mentor, discipline. And then the final one is action. You have to take action. Okay. Go off, Because yes. you could sit here and talk about this all day. I could sit here and talk to you about this stuff all day. And for the <laughs> longest time, my wife and I were sitting here talking about this stuff all the time. And we were absorbing content. We were learning all this stuff. But you know what we weren't doing? 
we weren't taking action. So our debt just kept racking up and racking up. When we mm -hmm. sat down and decided to say, okay, it's time to move forward and take these next steps. And we took action. That's when we saw the real progress. And, and, you know, we really saw our goal for what it was. And we started, when we started moving towards it, it just made it that much more real. And, you right. know, and, and part of this action piece is celebration, right? Each time you, you pay something off, celebrate that, you know, take, take some of that fun money that you have. If you paid off a credit card, go out to dinner, celebrate that night. Don't pay for it with that credit card that you just paid off, but <laughs> right. use some of that fun money that you have out and go out and enjoy a nice dinner and celebrate, live in the moment. Don't, you know, like I said, you don't want to be a mindless drone. You want to still enjoy your life while you're doing this. So give yourself a little bit of grace, give yourself a little bit of leeway and just go out and live. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, that's a great, a great couple of suggestions, great pillars to go off of when people are discovering this for the first time and starting to consume that content and, and being that sponge, you know, there's a lot of different steps. There's a lot of different voices saying you need to do this, 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 you know, people say you need to budget. People say you need to pay off debt. People say you need to invest. Uh, where, where do you think people should really start? They're, they're learning what this, this phrase means for the very first time. You know, do they sit down and budget? Do they start investing? Do they start, where, where do you think people at that are, that are, uh, very new at this, where should they begin? So Travis, that's, that's great. That's a great point. Great question. And you know, the, the starting point is going to be different for many different people, right? So it just depends on where you're at in life and what your goals are. But sure. one of the best ways to start is to go on Google and just start pulling up content. Okay. Start pulling up, Hey, how do I pay off my credit cards quickly? How do I do this? How do I, you know, just look up these different things, but there are different tactics and different ways that you can do things that are more effective than others. And I'll tell you what I did. Okay. When my wife and I decided yeah. that we were going to do this again, we followed Dave Ramsey's baby steps, but we did the whole snowball thing and we basically turned it into an avalanche, right? So what we started doing is we started paying off all of our credit cards, the highest interest rate first, started paying all the stuff off and then, you know, paying the minimum payments on everything else, but dumping huge chunks of money into the target, right? Whatever our target was. And once we paid that off, we continued paying minimum payments on everything else. And then we chose the next target, right? And then that next target we took all that money that we were putting into the last one and dumped it into that as well as whatever the minimum payment would have been. So you, you start to see this, like this huge snowball, like this snowball just grow and grow and grow and grow until it turns into this giant avalanche that's just coming down. Right. So we did it that right. way. The other thing we did that was very helpful is we did the envelope method. Right. So we said, okay, we have, you know, these different envelopes for different things that we, you know, that we're going to have money for. So we knew, you know, we had pets, so we wanted to have, some type of vet um, uh, money, right? We wanted to have money that was, you know, for the family to go out and, and do different things. Because again, like I said, you have to have that, that you know, f a little bit of fun money, right? So, and we had separate money for that too. That was fun money. So we had family right. outings and then we had fun money, right? And then we had, um, uh, you know, our savings. So besides just paying down our debt, we were also saving money as well. So yes, we were putting large chunks of money, but we weren't just dumping everything into that debt. We wanted to save money as well, because in case something happened and there was an emergency, we wanted to have that emergency fund, right? So this right. is just the way we did it. Uh, we eventually grew that into something called sinking funds, where it was basically mm -hmm. the envelope system, but with bank accounts. We opened several bank accounts, uh, all with the same bank. And every time I got paid, we would take the money and distribute distribute it to these different accounts for those specific reasons. So th that was just another strategy that we found online, right? So I started talking about this stuff on my blog as we were sharing our journey with what we're doing. Then my buddy told me, hey, you should start a podcast. You like to talk, right? Why don't <laughs> yes. you talk about this on your podcast? Maybe interview other people and ask them what they're doing on their journey. So I said, you know what? That, that's a great idea. So I started the podcast and I started interviewing people. And again, I'm learning from them. And this is one of the things that I, I get that's, for me, a selfish thing as a podcaster. You probably realize this as well, is you get yeah. to bring people on pick their brain, ask them the questions you want to ask them, right? And learn those things. So I said, right. hey, I'm going to start bringing these people on and learning from them. And I started bringing on these real estate investors. I started bringing on these people that invest in the stock market and all this stuff and just asking them the questions that I want to ask them and learning. And at the same time, being able to share this content with other people and they get to learn as well. So right. again, long answer uh, to, to your question, but the same, you know, uh, to long story short, go on the internet, search how to do it. There's so many different ways. 
Um, but the other thing you could do too is maybe go out and find a financial coach, right? And it doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be anyone else that I know, but there's several good ones out there, right? And and get somebody that's going to help mentor you and motivate you, right? That's part of the, the those pillars we were talking about before. Education and the next thing was mentorship, right? So get somebody right. that's going to help motivate you and help push you in the right direction. Because uh, one of the things that I focus on, especially as a coach, isn't so much the, hey, I'm going to tell you what to do. No, I don't tell anybody what to do. I say, hey, here's different strategies you can, you can utilize and different things you can do. You can make the decision. Let me know which way you want to go. And we'll kind of like re, you know, uh, reevaluate you know, where your stuff's going based off the decisions that you make. Right. And it's all about right. building that relationship between you, the client and money. You have to have a relationship with money. That's, that's the other big piece. So yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Kind of shifting gears a little bit. I would say, you know, a fundamental action that you have to take in your effort of financial independence as at some point in some fashion, you have to invest uh, you have to invest your money. You have to put your dollars to work. Every dollar has to have a job. There's a lot of voices that say that. And so I'm interested, it being such a fundamental step, a fundamental action in this journey, why are people so scared of it? So, uh, you know, I'll tell you probably the biggest reason why, Travis, is the media, right? Um, and and yeah. I don't like knocking on the media or anything like that, but it's true. Like, you know, the stuff that sells is the stuff that's scary, right? You right. know, the, uh, oh my God, the stock market's crashing. Oh, the real estate market's going to crash and this and that. Yes, that that can put a little fear into somebody. But, you know, when you're sitting there in your comfort zone and, you know, you got yourself out of debt and now you're saving up all this cash and you're in that comfort zone. But what you don't realize is as you're putting your money into these savings accounts and it's just sitting there, you're losing money. And you know why you're losing money? Because inflation. You know what the inflation was last year? It was about 8.5% that, that we know of, right? Uh, but when you look right. at the cost of certain things, and like the grocery store, you see some things went up 50%. Some other things went up 20%, 30%, right? So a lot larger than that 8.5% that's advertised, right? I mean, look at gas prices right now. So it's just it, – these are the kind of things that, that you need to think about. That when your money's sitting in the savings account, what kind of interest rate is it getting? like a 0.05%, you're not making squat. You'll have $10,000 sitting in the bank and for the year you made two cents. How is that okay? How is that okay? It's not, right? So, and that means that entire time, so if you were getting 0.05% and inflation was 8.5%, you lost 8.45% of your your cash that year because the value of your dollars that are sitting in that bank account went down. Okay. Right. So the thing is, yes, uh, th- there is a lot of fear out there, but at the same time, if you're sitting there in your comfort zone inside that box and you don't step outside of the box, you don't step outside of that comfort zone, you're never going to accelerate. You know, you're going to, you're going to live in, in fear and debt for the rest of your life. And, and maybe not debt. Cause if you're saving up your money, that's great. And you're not like racking up that debt, but eventually you're going to run out of that money that you saved up. You're not going to be able to retire. Because this mm-hmm. money's sitting in the account and it's and you're losing money every single year. So you have to understand, and, and part of this again is the education piece. Learn what compound interest is and why it's called the eighth wonder of the world. Okay. Because yeah. compound interest, you know, the money that you make makes more money. And then that money that made more money makes more money than makes more money because it's compounding on top of itself. So if you right. put a hundred thousand dollars, you know, into an account and it makes eight percent. Right. You now that over the year, you now have one hundred and eight thousand dollars. Now that next year you have one hundred and eight thousand dollars at that eight percent rate uh, rate. Right. So, at, you know, as it keeps going, that now it's compounding on top of itself. Right. So understand what compound interest is and get over your fear. OK. Right. If you if you want to like really look into it and, and you're saying, oh, well, but look at what just happened to the stock market. It dropped 30 percent. Totally get that. But look at the chart of the history of the stock market. Look how it goes up and then it's got this drop and then it goes up and it's got this drop and it goes up and it goes up. But which way has it trended the entire time? It's always going up. Even with those dips, little dips, big dips, it doesn't matter. It goes up. So even if you want to be safe about it, historically, if you just put your money into some index funds, you'll probably sit comfortable between eight and 12%, you know, lifetime gains, maybe even higher at some point. Right. But 
you know, there's going to be those drops. Now's not a good time to cash out your, your, uh, your retirement. Okay. No. Now's not a good time. You might want to just hold <laughs> off a little bit longer as it, as it recovers. Right. Because we did have this huge drop. Um, but again, you know, that's everybody else's decision. Now, me personally, I like to invest in real estate because it's a real asset. People will always need a place to live. And, uh, you know, the stuff that we're seeing right now is not the same as what happened in 2008. I don't see this huge crash coming, right? It may be a small correction and, and it all depends on the market itself. That's what I like about real estate. There's so many different sub markets, right? And it all depends on the area. Like the real right. estate out here in Hawaii is not going to be the same as the real estate in Colorado or North Dakota uh, you know, or even, you know, North Carolina and things like that, right? It's going to be different in every specific market, right? Big cities, rural areas, sub suburban areas. So it just depends on, you know, uh, you know, where you're investing your money at and you have to do the research on the market that you're going to invest in. You can't just say, oh, hey, I found this great deal. I'm going to go buy it because what seems like a great deal to you based on the market that you live in might not be a great deal for that specific market. You might say, oh, hey, the, the properties in this neighborhood are really appreciating well. If I buy it in a couple of years, it'll be worth you know so much more. Well, you don't know if that market is plateauing right now and it's just going to stay still or it might even drop a little bit, right? So right. one of the safest bets to do if you're going to invest in real estate is buy something that's going to cash flow no matter what. Mm -hmm. Even with the interest rates being up, if you buy an asset that cash flows you're going to be safe because even if the value drops down, you're still collecting that rent and it's still enough to pay off that mortgage and generate a cash flow for you. So right now, that's probably the safest thing to go with is to find assets that are generating cash flow. And it doesn't even have to just be real estate. Like there's, you can buy a business. There's different things that you can buy. Um, right. Uh, but again, like I, I always lean towards real estate because me personally, that's what I like to invest in the most. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm not, I, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but yeah, back over to you, Travis. That's, no, that's perfect. We, we're learning so much and, and kind of leaning, you know, you mentioned earlier as a podcaster, you get to ask questions that you actually want to be uh, answered. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask my own and, and, and go on this route of how important is community in this, uh, this journey? Because, you know, I, I'm learning as I'm trying to start my real estate investment journey, my wife and I, uh, you know, I, I'm finding that my community that I have is very risk averse and, you know, having a, a community that is very risk averse. And then you start talking about investing in real estate, you know, you don't, you don't get the support that you need and starting this journey. And so I'm interested in, in kind of what your thoughts on community are and this journey that you're starting that doesn't seem the people around you because they don't know it exists. They don't understand it. They don't get your desire. And, and so I'm interested in, in kind of your thought process and community in this journey. Find a new community, Travis. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, uh, okay. That, that's, that's fantastic. And I really appreciate this question because community is huge. And, and when I say community, I'm talking about networking, right? So yeah. people in the real estate investing space, one of the biggest things that we do is we network with each other. We we have meetups, right? You have these RIAs, these real estate uh, investment uh, meetups, right? And we get together and we collaborate, we, we trade ideas, uh, deals get made at these meetups. It's, it's really quite amazing. And also conferences. There's so many different things you get to do. Um, I actually got to speak at the Real Estate Wealth Builders, Con Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference in Phoenix. And uh, that was such an amazing experience. And I had, you know, so many people come up to me after my talk and just say, hey, you know, I'd like to network with you and kind of, you know, just keep, keep in touch and check out what you're doing. And I'm like, hey, this is awesome. This is great. And that's kind of the whole point of, of doing things like that and going out and going to these events and meeting people and putting yourself out there. Now, there's a lot of people that, are, that might say, oh, well, I'm an introvert. I can't really go out there and just, and just talk to people. It's not <laughs> like I'm not comfortable and that's fine. Go to the meetups, you know, just don't sit, sit in the corner, you know, having a, having a drink or whatever in the corner and just sit there and, and mope around, just kind of go and maybe ear hustle a little bit, see what some people are talking about. And uh, eventually, maybe you'll you'll build up that that courage to go out and, and talk to somebody. But you can go to these meetups and you can learn. You can hear what other people are doing because there will be people there speaking. There will be guest speakers. There's going to be different times where you get to sit down at a table with other people. And maybe you can start asking them questions about the things that you're interested in, similar to what I was talking about with podcasts, right? So you can go to these meetups and you can start asking the questions and picking people's brain. 
And I'll tell you that 97% of the people that I've met in this community have been just absolutely amazing people. I would say maybe right. 3% are scumbags, right? You know, you, you'll see that <laughs> in any community, right? But 97% right. are just genuine, authentic, good people trying to make a difference, right? There's so many real estate investors that I've met that are actually trying to, you know, uh, build affordable housing. Um, there's there's this one group that I know that builds tiny homes for vets and, and it's free for them. It's free for the veterans to go live there. And they have like, it, it's a nonprofit and, and they get sponsored by other people to do this. And you know why they were able to do that, Travis? Because they built up this financial independence for themselves, this freedom that they had time to go and take on their passion projects, right? That's right. the other beautiful part about this. So by investing in real estate, by building up this passive income and being able to make yourself financial independent, you can start doing some more of the things that you're passionate about and making a difference in the world. So it can also be altruistic as well, right? It doesn't just have to be yeah. about making money. It could also be about you making a difference in your community and in the world. So uh, I would say that that's, that's one of the biggest things to take away from that is network, build relationships and make a difference. Yes. Yes. Okay. I like that. And I think another kind of thing that goes hand in hand with community is, is limiting beliefs, right? People think, oh, I can't do this because I've got massive student loan debt. I can't do this because I've got kids. I just had twins. So I'm, I'm thinking about this as well. So I, I'm, Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, so I'm interested, you know, people have these limiting beliefs. I know them to be untrue, but how should people approach, you know, uh, uh, thinking that they can't do it? That's that's a great question, Travis. So, uh, you know, I'll tell you, limiting beliefs is probably the bane of any investor's uh, existence, right? Because we all have them, right? But it's, again, it's it's about that stepping outside of the comfort zone, right? To, to understand that you can overcome these limiting beliefs. Now, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I had limiting beliefs about buying more property in Hawaii because I said, it's just too expensive here. Um, like I wanted to start like working on some flips and different things like that. And then one day I went to a meetup and a guy came out there and he was talking about flips that he does. And, and I'm like, oh, he's got to do that. You know, he's doing the stuff out of state, whatever. And then he starts spitting out these locations, all these different spots in Hawaii that he's flipping properties. And I'm like, wait, what? I was like, how are you doing this? Like, how are you like... Uh, being able to flip these properties and why is, do you know how expensive it is here? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's like, I've, you know, I've, I've got really good hard money lenders and this and that. And he's talking to me about all these people that he uses and it's, and he got this way by building relationships and networking with people that he was able to find the right people to bring onto his team to say, Hey, you know, I now have hard money lenders that will give me the cash. If the deal looks good, they will give me the cash and then I can go and I can go make this flip happen. And then when it flips, I pay them all back. I take my profit and we're good. And I'm like, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I was like, this guy's actually doing this stuff out here in Hawaii. I was like, I had some serious limiting beliefs about this, you know? Right. And that's when I realized, you know, I too suffer from that. And everybody does. Everybody has limiting beliefs, no matter, you know, what, what community you're in, you're going to have limiting beliefs on something and it's about overcoming them. And again, like I said, stepping outside of that comfort zone, and that's the only way you're going to overcome limiting beliefs. But there's, there's so many people out there that, like you said, um, Hey, I've got, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt, or, you know, there, I, I don't, I don't think I can, you know, overcome all the credit card debt and personal loans that I have. And I'm telling you right now, you can, I did it. I paid off a whole bunch of credit cards and personal loans. I'm talking about like tens of thousands of dollars um, and and still managed to save up $40,000 on one income in a two-year period, okay? Right. I did that and it was with discipline. And I've interviewed people on my podcast. There was one recently, uh, not too long ago, that episode hasn't even aired yet, uh, where I interviewed this uh, this one gentleman and, and his wife where they had $120,000 in student loan debt, $120,000. And they never paid it off with cash. They did a whole different strategy. They and this was this was kind of mind blowing. But they bought a permanent life insurance policy. They started putting all their money into that, and then they borrowed from the policy to pay off their student loans. But all the money that was in the policy was also gaining interest the entire right. time. So I was like, wow, that was just mind blowing. I was like, you, you didn't even pay off your student loans. You just did it this this entirely different way a way that I would have never thought of doing it myself. So that again was something that I thought was a little mind blowing and uh, you know, again, shattering those limiting beliefs. So there are ways you just, you have to go out and attack and shatter and destroy those limiting beliefs and anybody can do it. 
Wow. That was a very creative way to pay off student loans. That's incredible. Um, and, and so I'm interested, I want to kind of jump back to something that you said earlier, which, which was talking about inflation. Uh, you know, we, we are sitting on more cash than we're used to because of a home sale. And, you know, a big reason that I'm getting more uh, motivated to invest in real estate is because we're sitting on entirely too much cash for what the individual should have. And, you know, my concern is, you know, we're losing money you know, every day based on uh, how much cash that we're sitting on. And so I, I'm, I'm interested in, why should people be so concerned about the inflation rate last year, this year? Why should we be so concerned about all of this? Well, that's again, Travis, that's a great question. And the thing that's concerning <laughs> about, you know, um, <clears throat> the inflation and, and just in general, just with the, with the way that we're going and just the value of the dollar and how everything is shifting, the big concerning point is the cash that you have today is worth less tomorrow. And, right. you know, one of the things that I like about my property that I have right now, uh, you know, my, my primary residence is that I have this mortgage on it at a two and a half percent interest rate that I borrowed at, at yesterday's dollars. So it is worth that much more to me. I'm paying two and a half percent interest when the interest rate is eight and a half percent. I'm making six percent a year because I'm still paying the, you know, the mortgage payment on you know, what yesterday's value was, right? Where, you know, my dollars might be worth less now, but I have more dollars because of, you know, inflation, everything else like that. So, you know, your, your pay goes up and everything else, what, as, as the government tries to keep up with it, you know, uh, you know, and your employers, they're, they're raising wages, right? They're raising salary to try to keep up and hedge against inflation, but the best hedge against inflation is going to be you investing your money. And I'll tell you right now, one of the good things to kind of figure out where inflation really is, is go look at I-bonds right now. I-bonds, I think, are at nine, nine point something percent. Like it's it's up there, like nine right. seven or something like that. Um, but with I-bonds being that high and you have money sitting in a savings account, you're better off just dumping all that money to I-bonds right now. It's guaranteed. You can't touch it for a year, but that's a guaranteed nine percent per year. Right. And uh, versus that 0.5% of your money sitting in a savings account. Right. So that's a good right. idea to kind of figure out like where we're at with inflation. Like I said before, the biggest part is when your money is sitting, it you're losing it. You're losing it the entire time. So employ those dollars to make you more dollars, you know, and then use those dollars to go buy the things that you want. Right. If you want, if you want to go buy a new car and it's going to cost you $500 a month, take that money and go buy an asset that's going to pay you $500 a month to go get the new car. But honestly, once you've shifted your mindset and you start thinking like that, you're going to be like, well, I want to take that extra $500 a month that I'm, you know, making and invest that in something else. And then you just start this whole, uh, it's like a reverse snowball of the debt, right? right? Cause now you're starting a snowball of, of making more money. So you have to be careful with interest uh, and you have to be careful with inflation, right? You have to pay attention to that look at the cost of everything that's going on. And, uh, you know, as, as things change, as gas prices go up, as the, you know, a gallon of milk goes up, you know, all these different things are just getting astronomical at this point. Realize how much you're spending. Like $100 used to buy you, you know, a full bag of groceries or even like a bag and a half. And now it gets you half right. a bag of groceries. It's insane. So if, you know, if you're paying attention to the numbers, you're watching where inflation's going and you're actively hedging against it by investing in something that's beating inflation, then you're putting yourself at a, at a better financial point for the future. But if you're not doing anything, you're losing all this money over the years. I mean, I think they say a uh, hundred dollars, uh, you know, uh, just a couple of years ago, I think uh, back in 2015 is yeah. worth like $76 today. That's oh my gosh. crazy. That is crazy. Right. Um, so that's just something to think about. You know, yesterday's dollars are worth more. So sometimes uh, debt can be your friend as well. Not credit card debt, not like crazy credit card <laughs> debt, but like mortgages and things like that. If you get a, a low enough interest rate, I mean, that's a great way to also hedge against uh, inflation as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, 
that that was a fantastic answer. And so I, I kind of want to go into in investments just in general, because there's so many different ways to invest, right? Investing in the stock market, investing in real estate, even investing in real estate, there's different ways to do it. Uh, and so I kind of wanted to just dive into kind of different ways that people invest. I know there's like short term uh, investments in, in, in real estate. There's, you know, residential. Uh, I'm interested in kind of the different ways that you see people investing out in the world today. Sure. And that's, that's one of the great things that, you know, on my podcast that I bring people on, I get to see all these different aspects of what they're doing in their own journey. And it's really quite amazing. So a lot of times I see some of these short-term guys that are like, uh, they're loaning their money out. They're being private lenders, right? And they're giving their money to different people that are flipping or wholesaling, just doing these different things, right? Where they're collecting like 12% interest over a three, four, five, six month period, Right. And it doesn't seem like much when they get their money back and then the interest that they're owed. But at the same time, that's, you know, they just got a 12% return, even though it was over right. six months. It's more, like if they didn't reinvest that money anywhere else, it would really turn into about six, 6% for the year, but they just keep redeploying that money. They get the, they get paid back and then they redeploy it with another person that needs help. Right. So uh, private lending is another great way to especially get like a, a larger uh, return on investment. But again, it's a little more risky because if right. you, you know, you lend the money to somebody and they don't know what they're doing or the deal flops, you know, you're going to be hurting too, because now they can't pay you back and now your money's gone. So the people that I know that do that, you know, they have strict criteria of who they lend their money to, right? They, they want to see what the deal looks like. What do the numbers look like? Show me. And they have a background in real estate to understand, you know, whether or not it's a good deal, because if it's not a good deal, they're not going to lend you the money because it's too right. much of a risk. So that's, that's one way that's more of a short-term thing. Another thing I see too, is people doing like a lot of short-term rentals mm -hmm. and short-term rentals is a great way to get some serious cash flow in real estate where, you know, the, if you if you buy a rental property and you look at the numbers and like the the month to month rent, like you're just breaking even or you're not going to make enough to cover all of your expenses, you know, if it's in an area where short term rentals are 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 popular, you can actually make more cash flow using it as a short term rental, and there's right. different ways that you can calculate that, right? But you know, that's just another way. It's just it's, it's like another out. You want to have several different outs and uh, when, when it comes to buying property. So I know people that will strictly only look in areas where it's like, okay, if I can't make the cash flow monthly, can I make this a short-term rental? If I can make it a short-term rental, it's going to work, then I'll buy the property. But if I can't turn it into a short-term rental, I won't I won't buy the property, right? So there's, there's that way of doing it as well. So you have right. private lending, you have short-term rentals, you have buy and hold where you buy a you know, buy a property and you have somebody that's renting it out from you and they're, they're paying your mortgage. And at the same time, you're getting some cash in your pocket as well from the cash flow. Um, there's some people that buy in certain areas just to get appreciation. It's another buy and hold strategy. Like a lot of people in Hawaii do that. They'll buy property right. out here and just hold on to it because the value goes up three to 5% every year uh, generally. But, you know, the past, you know, past <laughs> two or three years, it's been going up about, you know, 15 to 20% a year, which is absolutely insane. Right. Um, so there, there's those different methods as well. Uh, now, a buy and hold method can be very difficult if you're in a market like Hawaii and you're not going to generate enough cash flow to pay that mortgage. So it has to be something that you're comfortable with eating that cost. But right. if you do and you can hold on to the property for a couple of years, the reward at the end is a nice six-figure paycheck when you go and sell that property. So there's there's different things. And it, it all, again, it depends on your comfort level. depends on how much money you have in reserves, like cash and reserves. And it depends on you know where you're at in your own investing journey. Like me personally, I'm not going to go out and buy, you know, more properties. Excuse me, in Hawaii, uh, just to hold on to them uh, that you know that I know I could sell in a couple of years and get that that nice chunk of change because I'm not at the point where I'm comfortable having to pay this extra cost. Like I'm at the point right now where I'm reaching financial independence, and I want to kind of be a little more safe with what I'm doing, but still building up my cash flow and building up my assets and my portfolio. Right. So it just right. depends on where you're at in your journey. So that's just a couple different ways in real estate. Another thing that you can do, and this is one that I personally like myself, is yeah. getting into multifamily real estate, right? So mm -hmm. real estate syndications and you know how those work. And I'll, I'll kind of be brief about it, but you have two, two sets of people, right? You have your general partners and you have your limited partners. Your general partners are going to be the ones that go out and find the deal, underwrite the deal, 
fund the deal, right? So they're going to be the ones going out to the lender, getting the loan, and then they raise capital to, to put that down payment on the property. And then they raise capital for any type of uh, renovations or, or anything they're going to do to make it a value-add property, right? So, and they get that from the limited partners. The limited partners right. come in and say, hey, here's the cash to put into this for the down payment, for the for the uh, renovations and everything that you're going to do. And hey, we expect, you know, a return on this. And the, the general partners say, okay, cool. Based off the cash flow of what we're getting, based off of how much we can raise the rents, here's what year one's going to look like, year two, year three, year four, year five, right? This is what it's going to look like as we, uh, you know, renovate these units, raise the rent and everything else, and what your cash flow is going to look like. And you could say, okay, hey, cool. This looks good. And if you know you understand what the underwriting looks like, you can get yourself more comfortable, and you you give them your money, right? And this is right. what I do right now as a limited partner. So I found some partners that I trust, right? Uh, two different groups that I invest with right now, and you know I I like the way they do their underwriting. They're very conservative, and, and this is for both groups. And uh, so I decided I was going to give them my money, and uh, and now I sit here and I collect this passive income as a limited right. partner. You know, here's the thing: you don't get to make decisions. Right. You get a <laughs> monthly or quarterly brief saying, hey, here's where we're at. Here's where we're headed. You know, um, here's the rents collected. Here's the numbers that we're working with. Here's our budget for this. Right. So you get to look at all those numbers and then you you collect your 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 check. Right. So um, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I like it right now. It's a, it's a pretty uh, safe bet in real estate. Um, as right. long as the numbers look good, some of the multifamily units are starting to look a little crazy right now. Um, and there's still <laughs> people buying them, which is, you know, Hey, that's, that's up to them, but you know, you have to be comfortable with where you're at. Right. And, right. you know, by doing it this way, like I said, I, I get to get this passive income. I don't have to worry about anything and, uh, I just get paid. So that's my favorite real estate strategy right now, but there's so many other ways, man. I mean, you can, you can invest in self-storage. I know people that right. invest in mobile homes and RV parks and different things like that. It's just, a, it just depends on which route you want to go, how active you want to be or how passive right. you want to be. So I'm at a point right now where I'm, I'm doing this stuff passively because I have so much other things going on right now with being active duty in the Navy still with being a, a, a full-time realtor. Now I'm, I'm now transitioning to being a full-time realtor. Um, also running my podcast and my other two businesses. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy, but it's a, it's a way that I can keep investing in real estate. Uh, but now as I retire, I'm looking to go a little more active myself. So uh, again, another right. long ramble answer to your question. <laughs> uh, it's what I do, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. cause I, I want to show there's so many different ways. Right. And right. there's so many more that I haven't even named, but there's so many different ways that you can invest in real estate. And that's what I like about it too, is just how diverse you can be in this space. Uh, to to generate cash flow and generate wealth for yourself. Yeah, I mean, there's so many people that I follow in the financial independence community that are investing in real estate and live in Hawaii. So there's some correlation <laughs> that's happening there. <laughs> so that's awesome. Well, with we're running out of time, so I'm interested. Is there anything that we miss? So something that we should be thinking about? Oh, Travis, there's always something to be thinking about, right? Well, sure. And that's, <laughs> and, and that's you know one of the reasons why I do my podcast the way I do it is I bring on you know all. The, people from different uh, pieces or, or like different aspects of like the financial independence movement, right? Whether they invest in real estate, stock market, I've brought on people that talk about crypto and NFTs. You can go into all this stuff, right? I, I'm not so comfortable in the crypto and NFT realm and you can even see why right now, right? Because uh, right. it's still kind of correlating with the stock market, right? You see the stock market crash and crypto cr crashed at the same time. So it's like, it's, it, it's to me, it feels like it's one and the same. Um, right. But I got to learn about that stuff. Right. And again, I think the biggest thing, uh, because there is so much more that we can talk about, but the biggest thing, and you had mentioned it earlier is go out and absorb that content. And like I yes. said before, I'm a content sponge. So I go out there and just constantly learn and learn and learn the, the people who I follow on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and all that stuff are pretty much all personal finance or real estate or investing content creators because that's the information that when I go and open up that app that I want to look at, I mean, every now and then I'll see the cat that cooks and stuff, which is pretty cool. And it's funny. <laughs> it's good to laugh at, but I'll, I'll probably just swipe right past that real quick to get onto the next thing of something that's going to motivate me to keep going on the journey that I'm going on uh, and, and just, and, and find that, that 
that thing that motivates you, that pushes you to just keep it going. Because again, like you said, there's so many different things out there, but find the niche that works for you and just attack it 100% head on. Right. Right. Oh my gosh. So good. Well, time really just flew by. Oh my gosh. So, well, I rambled um, a lot too. So (laughs) you rambled with some great content. I appreciate this. Yeah, exactly. So where can people go and uh, learn more and follow you? Uh, so actually, I just made a new website to make it easier for everybody. So it's my name. It's MikeCavagioni.com. Uh, and you can find all my links there. Or if you just want to just go straight to my links, just go to AverageJoeFinances.com slash links. But you could find everything there. You can find my podcast, all my social media. Um, definitely check it out. Feel free to follow me and, and see what I'm doing. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn's a powerhouse, a great place to network. Uh, connect with me on Facebook. I have a Facebook group too, where we talk about this stuff. Join the group, join the discussions, and uh, and and just enjoy uh, what what we're doing out there. Because uh, I enjoy sharing it, and I'm hoping that you know the people that are absorbing that content are enjo- are enjoying it as well. So, um, but Travis, I, I really appreciate it, man. Uh, you give me the opportunity to come here and, and speak to your listeners. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You got to go and consume all of this content. It's very, very good. Also, make sure that you're going and following the podcast here at How to Adult TW on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are going to continue to learn how to adult together.